This morning, our New Testament lesson is going to come from the book of Ephesians, from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2. We're going to be reading Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you were once in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of our flesh and senses, in which we were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, by the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated, with, and seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Growing up in the small community where I grew up in, church in many ways was the sun which our lives orbited. Like everything we did in our life growing up in back home, kind of revolved around church. All of my friends were church friends. All of mama's friends were church friends. Now, listen, part of that's because they were all family, too. You know, in Boca Chita, your friends are your family, your family are your friends. You got to marry somebody from the other side of the county to make sure they're not your cousin. You know how it works. So, but church was central. It really was the defining character of our family's life. It really defined every bit of our schedule, every bit of what we did, and was something that we, as a family, really enjoyed. You know, I was talking um, to somebody last week about the last year when we, when we had to go online only for a season, and I said, that was so weird for me because I probably, you know, I don't know what to do if it's Sunday morning and I'm not physically in church. It's just, that's how my brain works. I can't fathom not being in worship on Sunday because it's all that I did growing up. It's what we did. So... In my life, I was confirmed and baptized at age 13 at Johnson Chapel United Methodist Church. That's when I made a public profession of faith and was baptized at that moment. I wasn't baptized as an infant. I was baptized when I was 13 when I was confirmed. So then I spent the rest of my teenage years living like a fool. So I was just at lost as a goose. I mean, I, I'd done all the public stuff, but I acted like a fool the rest of my teenage years. However, in the midst of my stupidity, at age 16, I was a counselor in training one week at Camp Wesley Pines. And I remember sitting outside at Camp Wesley Pines with Brother Curtis Lott, a great Methodist pastor who passed away a few years ago, and telling Brother Curtis, we're sitting outside the infirmary. I said, Brother Curtis, there's something inside me that wants to tell folks about Jesus. I don't know what it is. He said, well, Andy, you might be called to preach. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not called to that. <laughs> I don't know about that. So then I left Grant Wesley Pines and went back to living like a fool for the next few years till I was a senior in high school. And then I decided to really get serious about my faith and made the decision to truly surrender my life to God and truly 
allow the Spirit into my life and to truly follow Jesus with all that I was and to allow him to transform me. That's when I was a senior. Then when I was 21 years old, uh, I joined uh, First Baptist Church Jackson and was dunked, immersed in their uh, baptistry and uh, took my first church job at Concord Baptist Church out from Pelahatchie, Mississippi and was youth pastor there for a year. But then I returned back to the Methodist Church and took a student pastor job at Raymond United Methodist Church. Uh, when I, and and at, after that, I took my first appointment as a Methodist preacher. So here's my question uh, to you wise souls in the congregation and online this morning. When was I saved? And that long and winding story that I just told you, when did I become a Christian? It's interesting when we look about at our life's journey and our faith to figure out exactly that moment when it is that we become a Christian. And people have different stories. Uh, one of my favorite books I read in seminary, I still got this, you know, I, I probably sold most of my seminary books on the internet, but I, I've kept a few of them. One of them was a book we read called Famous Conversions, which told the story of individuals and how they got saved or became Christians. There are some very interesting ones. C.S. Lewis is one of my favorites. It says, he went to the zoo, he was leaving, he went from Oxford to London to the zoo. He said, I got in the sidecar not being a Christian, and when I emerged from the sidecar in London, I was a Christian. So apparently C.S. Lewis got saved on a sidecar of a motorcycle. Uh, that's kind of cool. Um, others have very interesting stories. Wesley, if you read Wesley's stories, Wesley's journals are so interesting because he'll have moments of intense doubt of his faith, of his salvation. Then the next day we'll have moments of great ecstasy, ecstasy with his salvation. So one of the historic questions Methodists ask is at Aldersgate, when he had his heart strangely warmed, was that when he got saved? Or, but if you look before that, you saw in his life a desire to follow God even before that. So was Aldersgate a confirmation? Was it a conversion? Now, ultimately, we don't know these things. We don't know. I'm not God. I can't tell you that. And I think that's what I like about this conversation is we can't typify a faith journey. We can't typify a faith journey. All of our experiences with God are different. And all of our journeys are different. And I think the mistake that we make in our faith is that we make the mistake of believing that conversion is the only moment in our faith that really matters. So in other words, getting saved all that matters. And once you're saved, it's all good. And y'all, when you look at Scripture, that's simply not the case. In today's passage, which we're going to explore, that's simply not what Paul tells us. So we're in these next few weeks of worship, kind of exploring the big picture things that, things that our church believes. I'm calling it St. Matthew's 101. And we're, we're going to define some of our key doctrine, what it is that we believe, and then we're going to talk about our values, what, how it is that we live together, doctrine and values. And those two always have to interplay because if your doctrine does not inform your values, then you don't really believe your doctrine. Because what you believe is shown by how you live. If my life that I live does not match what I say that I believe, then in my, life, in my opinion, you don't really believe it. 
What you believe is shown by how you live. So the next few weeks, we're exploring what it is that we believe, and then we're going to explore next month how we live together. Last week, we talked about the question of who is God. We talked about how God is holy, and God is love, and God is triune. He is three in one. He is trinity, and that, and that God calls us to be faithful with all their life. He's a, he's a relationship. We talked about who God is. Well, today we're going to talk about what is salvation? What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to get saved? What does this process look like? And I think this is so important. I think, honestly, in the life of Wesleyan thought or Methodist thought, this is something that we've kind of lost. We've kind of, kind of gotten muddled along the way. We've kind of de-emphasized this and talked about a lot of other stuff sometimes. Because when you read Wesley, Wesley said that God... You look, I'm reading a book right now I think I've recommended to you before called Perfect Love. It's by Kevin Watson, who's a, a great Methodist theologian. And he, he's looking at Wesley's life and Wesley's teachings. And if you look at Wesley's life, this is so interesting. Wesley was a very accommodating person. He didn't pick fights. He didn't like to fuss. He liked to get along. There was only one issue in John Wesley's life that he drew a line to sand and said, I'm not budging on this one. And that was on sanctification, the concept of Christian growth. For Wesley, he believed that Methodists were here for one reason and one reason only, and that was to preach the concept of sanctification, to preach the concept of Christian growth, to preach the concept of, of salvation, not simply just being a conversion experience, but that salvation being a life of Christian growth. So notice what Paul said today. We are saved by grace through faith, lest no one can boast. But our salvation does not come from our actions, but our salvation comes from faith in Jesus Christ. Full stop. That's what we're saved for. But then verse 10 says, for we are, as he made us, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. So we see that, yes, we are saved, we are converted by grace through faith. Not by your works, not by what you do, not even by what you believe. We are saved by God's grace in our life. That's where salvation comes from. But that conversion is not the end of our Christian life or our Christian experience, but it is the beginning of our Christian life and our Christian experience. That's what salvation is. Salvation is not simply, it is not simply a conversion experience, but salvation is the process of being, as we sang this morning, changed from glory into glory. Till in heaven we take our place. Till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and grace. Take away our bent to sinning, Alpha and Omega B. Salvation is not simply conversion. Salvation is the process by which God takes away that bent to sinning, where God works on us, changes us, conforms us, grows us, sanctifies us, if you will, which is the scriptural word. That's what we're about. Jesus said in, the, in Matthew 28 to go out and to make not believers. He said, go out Go across the world and make disciples. Disciples. Salvation is not merely agreement to an intellectual concept. Salvation is not merely a one-time encounter with Jesus. Salvation is an experience and a process by which God 
work changes us and confirms us. As Paul says in Philippians 2, work out your salvation with much fear and trembling. But then he says, but know that it's God who's at work within you. Salvation at its core is a surrender of our life and our will to the goodness and the grace of God and allowing God to remake us and reform us. The best analogy I can give you on this is something Wesley talked about. Wesley talked of salvation or the Christian life as a house. As a house. And each level of Christian growth is a different part of the house. Wesley would say the first part of the Christian life is the porch. Think about, and, and, and for without the theological understanding, that's we talk about provenient grace. Now, if you're on the front porch of somebody, think about the front porch. You know, I, I, I grew up, I grew up, I got off the school bus. I get off the school bus, I'd walk down, and I'd typically see my daddy sit in the front porch, sitting in a rocking chair. He'd sit in the rocking chair, and I'd sit down beside him, and we'd rock. Now, we'd wait, because what we were doing, we were waiting for the newspaper to show up. The newspaper, the Enterprise Journal, would run about 4.30 or so. I'd run out there, I'd go get it, and then we'd read the paper. The Enterprise Journal had two sections, news section, sports section. He'd take the news section, I'd take the sports section. We'd read it, we'd swap. That's what we did every day of my childhood. Now, we're on the porch. Some of my best memories of my childhood happened on that porch. After me and Daddy read the paper, that's for after Mama and Aunt Evelyn and Aunt Neen, we show butter beans and purple whole peas, and you show your purple whole peas, and your and your fingers are purple, you look like Barney for like two weeks afterwards. When you show show purple whole peas, I don't care how much you scrub, you still got purple on your fingers. It's not coming off. Some of the best memories of my childhood happened there. The front porch is where you welcome guests and visitors. The front porch is where people feel at home. The front porch is where you get a taste of what the family's like. Let me ask you a question. If you're on the front porch, are you inside the house? No. You're on the property. You can see the front door. But you're not inside the house yet. The front porch is provenient grace. That's God calling us to himself. That was the stuff, that's, that was the stuff I experienced even when I was acting a fool as a teenager. It was provenient grace that called me to want to preach when I was 16 years old, even when I was still living, living like the devil. I wasn't saved. I wasn't acting right. I was acting stupid. But there was still something within me that wanted to know who God was, wanted to, call, wanted to tell others about God's goodness. That's the porch. That's the first step of salvation. That's provenient grace. That's what we experience in baptism. when We mark those children as people that Christ loved and Christ died for. That doesn't save them but it marks them. It's provenient grace that we experience. That's why we Methodists have open communion. We invite everybody to the table because in communion, God reaches out to us. I may have shared the story with you, but when Holly was praying with Sarah, we were eating Mexican one night and, and we ate it and, and Sarah was in the belly. When Holly ate the Mexican, Sarah started jumping around and we were laughing about how whatever, whatever Holly eats, Sarah's eating in the womb. Well, the next day in church, we took communion and it hit me, whatever Holly ate, Sarah ate. So you can't convince me that my child did not receive communion in the womb. The Bible says he knit us together in our mother's womb. He knew us before we were formed. And I believe that God was calling my children to salvation before they drew their first breath. That's provenient grace, y'all. That's God's outreach to us. That's God's welcome to us. That's God's calling to us. But y'all, that's not salvation. 
That's the beginning. So what happens, we come to church, we have a great anthem like we heard today, or we hear the Spirit, feel the Spirit move, and we feel something. We're like, okay, good, my faith is good. No, that's God's reaching out to you. But God's reaching out to you through preventing grace doesn't truly change your life until we move to the next part of the, part of the story, of the next part of the house, which is walking through the door. That's what we actually call justifying grace. That's getting saved. That's becoming a Christian. That's a public profession of faith. That's whatever term you use, you decide that you want to use there. But at that moment is when you have made a decision to respond to the grace given to you. The porch, prevenient grace. That's God reaching out to you. The door, justifying grace, that is you making the decision, you choosing to respond to the grace that God has shown you. So the porch, God's reaching out to us, prevenient grace. Walking through the door, justifying grace, getting saved, you accepting what God has done. And that's it, right? So when you go home, at the, after you leave church today and you go eat lunch, you do whatever you're going to do, you go to your house, you, you go to your front porch, you walk at the front door, and that's it. You don't go any further into your house, do you? You stay right there at the front door your whole, lot, whole day, don't you? No. You're going to walk into the living room and sit down in your favorite chair. You're going to go back to the bedroom, lay on the bed, take a nap. You're going to go to your man cave and watch some exciting preseason football. I don't know what you're going to do. You're going to go to your she shed in the backyard. I don't know. But you're going to go throughout your house, aren't you? When somebody invites you over to over their house to eat dinner or to hang out, you walk in the front door, and you don't stay at the front door, do you? You walk into their den and sit down and have a conversation with them. You sit down at the kitchen table, have a cup of coffee. You explore the house. That's sanctification. That's Christian growth. The full extent of your house is not your front door. The full extent of your house is, is the totality of the house. And then if you explore the house, like every one of you, every one of you, you have a favorite spot, don't you? Favorite spot in your house. My favorite spot, we had this old glider that we bought when Holly was pregnant with Sarah. And the dogs sit in it and it stinks. It's old, nasty. And I won't let Holly throw it away. Because it's my favorite chair in the whole house. Right here in the living room, looking like a, stuck out like a sore thumb. But every day I come home and I plop down in it. And I put my, head, put my feet on the, uh, the coffee table, which also makes her angry. And I sit there and kind of sway in it. And that's my spot. You got a spot, don't you? That's your favorite Bible verse. And the, and the idea of faith. Remember we talked about having your kid, having, telling your kid what the favorite Bible verse is? These, they're these little beautiful parts of our faith that might not mean much to anybody, to, to anybody else, but that are beautiful to us. Salvation isn't simply walking through the door of conversion, but salvation is exploring the house that is the life of God with all that we are. That's what we're called to do, y'all. That's what it means to be a Christian. And I think so much of our problem in the world today, in the world, in the church, and everywhere, is the fact that we have mistaken conversion or walking in the front door for the, what God really wants from us, 
which is, which is sanctification and growth and growth closer to God. Well, well preacher, then you're telling, me, you're telling me that we're a works-based people then. You're telling me that it isn't just enough to accept Jesus, but you're telling me then after I accept Jesus, i got to do all this stuff. No, I'm not. Philippians 2, work out, your, work out your salvation with much fear and trembling, but know that it's God who's at work within you. Ephesians chapter 2, for we are who he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. How many of you got, when you got married, that had nothing to do with your spouse the rest of your marriage? Well, some of y'all, if you, that's what you do, don't, don't raise your hand. That's a bad idea. But typically, when you get married, you're going to spend the rest of your life getting to know your spouse, having fun together, living together, laughing together, growing together. How many of you, after your children were born, said, well, there's my child. Good looking. See you later. No, you're going to spend the rest of your life loving that child, caring for that child, helping that child grow and mature. Why is it that we think that the only relationship in our life that ends at its beginning is our salvation? We often think the only relationship that ends at the beginning is our walk with God. And y'all, that's not what God has prepared us for. That's not what God has made us for. God has made us to grow deeper. What is salvation? Yes, it is a conversion experience. It is walking through the door. But that's not the totality of our walk with God. Our walk with God is about exploring the house that is the life together with God. And that's what he's made us for. And y'all, what if we live that out? How much more would our faith be alive if we actually spent our life exploring the goodness of God? How would it change our world? How would it change our communities, our schools, everything? That's what he's made us for, y'all. That's what he's made us for. So all that story I told you, I don't know exactly where it is I got saved. I think it was probably when I was a senior and I fully surrendered my life to God. That probably was it. But y'all, God was active in my life before that. He's been active in my life after that. And I would not be the man that I am in my faith or in my life apart from the fullness of that story and apart from what God continues to do in my life now. He's called us to be disciples. He's called us to make disciples. May we spend all of our life exploring the house that God has laid before us. May we spend all of our life living out the fullness, the fullness of salvation. Let's pray.